Welcome to the People Data for Good podcast with Al Adamson. Hi, welcome back. I'm here with Tess James of Talent Reimagined. Tess, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being here. I'm extraordinarily excited about what you're doing because you're thinking truly about the future of work, how we're going to optimize the workforce given the variety of ways work can get done, whether it be employees, contingent labor, automation, digital transformation, outsourcing, all these things are ways work gets done. And you're thinking about how to systematically address this challenge. If you would introduce yourself and a little bit about your firm. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I'm Tess. I am originally from Australia. I um, My background has been more in um, occupational, I, I studied occupational psychology and actually left Australia um, about 15 years ago, moved to London for a period of time where I was consulting and, and from there uh, went into more talent acquisition, talent leadership and transformation roles. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been living in Switzerland now for about 10 years. Uh, and in um, 2019, around the middle of the year, I decided to actually leave my corporate career and to found uh, Talent Reimagined. So uh, we quite quickly went into quite a big project um, as a team. We were doing a lot of transformation work for a, a specific um, organization here across EMEA. Um, and yeah, and towards the end of October 2020, started to, to really... Um, send our message out to the world and do a lot more uh, marketing and, and development. Well, you're doing some great work because you and I have gone back and forth a few times now about the yeah. need for better talent governance people strategies, whatever you want to call it, because there are so many uh, ways, again, that work can get done, yet we remain in most organizations in these silos where you have IT over there, you have HR there, even recruiting might be doing its own thing, workforce planning is oftentimes mm -hmm. ill-defined. So you're trying to take this very complex situation and create some clarity and have a way forward that elevates confidence that organizations are going to get where they want to go. So so if you would, can you describe, and you have a brand for it, if uh, I recall, yeah? Yeah, I mean, part of what Talent Reimagined is here to do, just to explain a little bit more about the team and how it's set up, we are a group of independent consultants, and the group that we have, and, and by the way, I did that by design, um, not because we're a new business that we're starting out, but I honestly think this is almost like a microcosm of the future workforce. I think the, the rise of the independent workforce is happening now, and I think COVID is accelerated that. Uh, but we are a group of independent consultants. We have experience across all aspects of talent uh, and transformation. Um, and our goal, the goal of Talent Reimagined is to create a place for these individuals to connect and for us to, to combine all of that amazing experience to support clients and organizations in new and novel ways and to solve problems that we haven't really had to solve before, um, but to br bring that kind of combined experience together so that we can support organizations break those silos. Um, so you mentioned one of the workforce optimization piece and we have a methodology called the rework. And the rework is really, uh, it's, it's focused on bringing, creating a holistic solution to not just the workforce, but the workspace. Mm. And historically we've seen that organizations tend to um, to look at, and especially now that COVID has just shone such a bright light on all of this, but tend to manage this in silos within the organisation, to your point. So within HR, within facilities, maybe IT. 
And the goal of this methodology is really to, to create a structure, a governance, a way of working that can break down those silos with organizations. Yeah. You know, so what does that look like? Uh, you know, the problem is there, even before COVID, mm-hmm. there were many talking about the need for new management models. We've had this hierarchical structure and these functions for you know, 50, 60, pretty much since post-World War II, it's, it's been the governing model. Yet here, you have digital transformation, the speed of change, and how organizations deal with it has been, for lack of a better way to put it, and I say this compassionately, suboptimal. Yet COVID has accelerated, to your point, this, this transformation. So in the ideal future state, if uh, organization is adopting your approach, what is better? What, what's more efficient and effective? So I think, and maybe some of this is not surprising, but I think we are, and and the better companies, the more, I think the companies that are going to get the most out of this situation will be moving to a hybrid uh, model in the future. Mm -hmm. But with that is not only how do you create um, a different office space or how do you downsize on real estate? It's, it's, I think there's a lot of focus on the workspace aspect from that um, angle, but there's also new opportunities from a workforce perspective in terms of how do teams now come together in a different way? It's, it's, it's driving a flatter structure from my perspective in terms of the way that teams can come together, but also providing a new platform for people to accelerate their learning in these different areas, these areas that organizations um, see as um, potential skill gaps in the future. And the way that our methodology can support with that is to um, to bring more of a governance structure to play. So to make sure that we have all of the, the different um, and complementary and overlapping work streams together and to be able to work uh, as a team with the organization and their stakeholders to really understand how these things are overlapping. Because there is, you know, if you think about office space, you think about well-being, um, to your point, digital strategy, that there's so much dependency and interconnectivity between the two. Uh, and that's what we're, yeah, we're here to, one aspect of what we're here to, to um, support organizations with. Well, I, I mean, as you're saying this, I, I mean, we'll go have a 7,000 mile hug right now because it is something that, you know, I have a passion around. I've been talking about talent governance, people strategy, and how it's actually done in an integrated way for a while now. Now, yeah. the means in which to do it. It's one thing to call it out. It's another uh, thing to actually make it happen in an ongoing, sustainable, effective way. So my question to you, can you give some insights and ideas on what it actually looks like day to day, week to week? Because uh, you know, at what, what, who's in the room? Um, at what frequency are they meeting? Uh, what are the types of decisions um, they're being made? And of course, you know, what data and insights, you know, are they looking at? And I know I have a lot of questions right there, but it is something that I think is not understood uh, very well. It's like, okay, I, I understand that we need to change, but what does it actually look like if we're doing this well? So what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, hopefully I'm answering the question here, but I think in terms of the approach, um, what I'm constantly talking to organizations about now is to, to make sure they're listening really carefully to employees and what employees um, want. And there's actually a really delicate balance to that in terms of asking the right questions in the right way to employees to really understand um, how are they positioned in uh, right now and how have they been coping through this uh, pandemic 
I think there is a lot of speculation around productivity, but I also think that um, you know, it's not necessarily sustainable, the type of um, workload that people have been carrying for the last period of time. Um, but yeah, in terms of uh, the approach, really understanding. So we, what we talk about with organizations is quite simply surveying their employees to understand mm -hmm. what, what do they need um, and taking those, those insights, but also looking at other metrics within the organization from um, how people are structured, what is, what is the strategic workforce plan for the organization? If you're creating a hybrid model, is that across every function of the organization? Or is there certain functions that will take a different type of approach to working? Because the other, the flip side of this, I think, is when you create a hybrid work environment, it's also really important to put some structure around that. Mm. If you're saying to people, come into the office whenever you want, and there is no real structure around where the leaders are doing that, or not, or there's certain um, members within a team who physically can get to an office versus others that physically can't. I think you also risk inclusivity in those situations as well. So um, for us, the approach is really to gather the insights to understand what the current scenario is, um, and then to, to really work with the client to understand a day in the life of these different types of individuals that are working in, in the organization and how they're interacting and then to create a blueprint, if you like, and guiding principles around how should you take this forward uh, from here. Love it. And so with that in mind, and you're starting to answer it, because I can imagine some of our listeners are you know, sitting there or, or walking and saying, you know, we're doing that already, or we're trying to do that already. And as I have looked at the marketplace over the years, even the past year, there's been many well-intentioned organizations uh, who are saying, well, we're not there yet, but we're, you know, we're trying. But it's now been three, four plus years that they've been, quote unquote, trying to get there. So bringing somebody in to facilitate that process and potentially even manage that process ongoing, I can see real value. So you know, what is your... Um, value proposition how do you say hey you know we can help you in this way you know what what what's your unique value yeah i would say it's the the combined experience that we have so if i look at the team and how we come together i mean firstly we're all deeply passionate about transformation and i think it's hard i think i kind of feel like people who are consulting the transformation space are quite nomadic. I don't think you find them necessarily within an organization. I think <laughs> you find them moving around supporting. Um, and we tend to, you know, we've all found a home within Talent Reimagined because we have this shared passion and drive around transformation and change. Mm -hmm. So I think the, the unique selling point is that we can come in to really drive that um, governance and to support not just from a strategic advisory capacity, but we actually execute on the strategy too. So we're here to actually roll sleeves up and get the work done um, and to highlight where the overlap is, because this is, this is really what the governance that we provide, that's what it allows us to do. So we have complete transparency into all of the different deliverables and work streams. We have oversight of how those things overlap and come together. Um, yeah, and, and we're here, I mean, we are ultimately, our mission, our vision uh, is to accelerate transformation. So to, to use the methodology, the structure, the governance to uh, accelerate the change. And I think 
one of the things that I recognized as a leader when I was in my corporate life is it's very hard to do transformation and operations at the same time. I think it's what tends to happen is you you have the day to day that takes priority, you know, delivering on um so, you know, if you're in a recruiting role, it's about getting the jobs filled, not necessarily changing how it how it's operating. And I think it's incredibly hard to get across both. And so that was really a driver for me to, to set up Talent Reimagine, to come in as kind of the secret source, the secret weapon. We're not here to take the spotlight, but we want to be here to say, yes, we can help you accelerate the change so that people don't have to go through that that painful experience of an ongoing journey where you're not just running things you're changing it too and every day people are waking up and seeing that something's something's shifted so the goal yeah. is really to accelerate that and that's what we can bring into also the workforce optimization piece well i mean i i, I love it and i think the world needs it and uh needless to say i'm wishing you well as you continue on this this journey and you know as you're sharing this i recognize that this work is not easy. Um, you are taking on a big challenge and it then invites the question, why? <laughs> so if you would, you know, why is this important to you? Why do you do this work? Yeah, I think um, it's a good question because I've had to ask myself that over the last <laughs> couple of years. Um, I mean, I think, yes, a part of it was getting to the top of my corporate career and you know, or at least the, what I thought was the, the top of the ladder that I was sort of climbing at, at that point and realising that, yeah, I, I, I felt like I was kind of in the wrong swim lane and, and mm -hmm. my energy was really around transformation and change. Um, but also a big driver for me has been um, I've probably maybe not fit the corporate model in my life particularly well because I feel that when people um, are in flow, when they're doing good work in the way that they want to, um, that magic can happen. And mm. I see them too often organizations who it's like they're in an employment model. They've created a structure that's just, you know, it's been standing still for, I don't know how long and talent is con constantly changing. The dynamic is changing constantly. And my, I mean, there's, I've got this passion about this whole topic. I think diversity, actually the, the problems that we have in terms of um, or the gaps we have in terms of diverse workforce is actually kind of central to this issue too, that when you create a different environment, when you actually let the talent marketplace talk more to how the employment model is structured, you don't have, the, you're not fighting the same um, battle. It's not the talent for war anymore as we know it. It's right. a completely different opportunity. And that for me, I don't, I, you know, I don't know exactly where that's come from in my life. I think it's a mix of my genuine interest in humans I've got a psychology background I thought I was going to be a clinical psychologist and then I was like no I, I don't want to spend time solving everyone's problems but maybe I can solve some problems in the workforce mm. um, so yeah it, it's been something that I've been deeply passionate about I think there's a lot that can be sold in the diversity space by really rethinking the employment model mm. um, and you know I also recognize and this is why I kind of laughed I've, I've been having to ask myself this question as a team, as a, as, a, as a company, we're paving a different way forward. I think, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't know exactly who our competitors are in the space that we're occupying right now. Um, maybe they're somewhere, but I do feel like we're charting a different path ahead in terms of supporting organizations and being disruptors in this space. And it's going to take a bit of time for us to, you know, to get 
get things in motion and you know to build in the way that we want to build the organization as well yeah it's uh it's the case when as you're talking that i get really excited because what i heard you say is that you care about the human experience uh, in the workplace and i grew up uh, and i'm gonna speak for myself on this one in, in what i call the suck it up generation like you're lucky right. to have a job just do what you're told and right. you know just pay your dues and you know just don't rock the boat and particularly with young high value talent uh pre-covid you know they had tons of options if they didn't mm-hmm. like their employment situation they could go particularly here in the san francisco bay area where i'm based so even as we in the midst of covid now as we come out of COVID, hopefully, in, in, um, in the coming months, is that there is going to be greater competition uh, for right. not only the talent, but also the work strategy decisions. You know, are you going to come in two days a week? Are you going to come in five days a week? You know, it, that's going to matter, and needless to say. And to think that through systematically is going to require some, some work. And it invites the question, who's going to do that work? So, where I'm going to land with this is going back to your why in, in doing this work. I'm sure you want to align with others with this similar why who are in organizations that want to do good, not only on behalf of the shareholders and customers and, and leaders of the organization, but on behalf of the workers themselves. Is that a fair statement? And what, what's your perspective on that notion? Um, yeah, I mean, I think... When I when I'm talking to um, clients at the moment, I think everyone is focused in the same direction in terms of this is now you know we've almost moved on from employee value proposition to people value proposition. It's sort of we're in this space of it's the human deal. Mm. Um, we've all become quite human centric, and even though I think we used to say let's bring our whole selves to work, I think we literally in the last twelve months that's exactly what people have had to do and and create a blend and I think yes organizations absolutely for the most part are really focused on getting this right um and yeah and I think that's it's it's not an easy labyrinth to navigate or or to get through right now because there's a lot of competing priorities um there's a lot of operational things to still get done whilst trying to figure out a new way forward um yeah, so I think it's it's top of mind. And I think, I mean, I, I'm sure you're reading the same. Workforce optimization is is the topic of conversation, really, yep. which makes sense because things have to change. And I think it's scary for organizations too who aren't sure how to tackle it because what they're being told and what they're reading is that if they don't tackle it, if they don't open up the channels of communication, if they don't start listening really closely to what people want, they're not going to succeed in the future. And, that, you know, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle, but it is, it's, right now I think is a hugely pivotal time for organizations. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And as you're talking again, I hear the term organizations need to do X and I couldn't agree more. And then it invites the question for me anyway, you know, who within organizations? So the pointed question is, who is your buyer? Who's your main client? Are you working through HR primarily? Are you working through facilities, uh, digital transformation, IT? I mean, and I'll frame it in two ways. I mean, who's your 
ideal, ideal buyer right now and who will be your ideal buyer, say six, 12 months down the line, if it's going to shift at all? Yeah, it depends. I mean, if we're talking about some of the talent transformation work, typically it's the head of HR and it's, mm. or it's um, someone within the HR function who perhaps is part of a transformation office, or it, it depends because our, our key clients are typically, um, they've gone through growth and set for, for more growth as well. So that's where we can really support from a talent transformation perspective. When it comes to workforce optimization, this is, I think, the interesting part where you mentioned silos before. So actually, the, the um, you know, the, the key contact is, yes, it's IT, it's facilities uh, or operations, and it's also HR. And um, this is where being able to provide a bit more glue around all of it, it's actually helpful to, you know, to support with the change and to help with the transformation because it does sit between different groups. I think to your point around who is it in six to 12 months, I don't know if it's six to 12 months, but I think in the future, you know, I, I certainly personally believe that HR's role will change in a number of ways. I think it will become more about actually really embracing flexibility and understanding how to remove any obstacles to that, to, the, to this new way of work, to the hybrid working model, because it does create a lot of opportunity to optimize and think differently, not only about organization design, but all the processes around it as well. And what's, what's your assessment of where the marketplace is right now? Um, I started off by saying that, you know, COVID has created this impetus for change. And I presume you would agree with that. That being said, you know, there is this, um, how, how cohesive of an understanding do you think the marketplace has about the need to transform to this new decision-making model and to do they have the mental models and processes in place to actually do this well? I assume you created the business to fill a need. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm just, cause I, I'm really curious um, as where we're gonna go over the next six mm -hmm. to 12 months. Cause I think many organizations are gonna take advantage of this opportunity and evolve appropriately to do what you're saying and others are not, and they're going to be at a competitive disadvantage. So, you know, where do you see the marketplace right now relative to where it needs to be, you know, in the six, 12 months? So I think, I mean, to your point, I think there is two sides of it right now. I think there is the, the organizations who are sort of covering their ears and eyes and just hoping that things can get back to the way that they were before. Uh, and I think there's other organizations who are truly asking all the questions, the right questions to people, figuring out how do we, you know, create a new, um, this new model and um, how do we treat this as a time to actually really transform how we think about the workforce. So I feel like there's two, they're, they're just at opposite ends of the scale right now in terms of how people are approaching it. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I, I'm, yeah, that's, that's where I think the market is, basically. Okay. Yeah. And as you say workforce too, how do you define that? Well, this is an interesting one because I think the workforce historically has it tended to be talked about um, as permanent employees. I think, you know, more and more people are talking about total talents. And that, actually, that was one of the, the last things that I was driving in my corporate career was this total talent acquisition strategy, because there is so much power in being able to include not just your permanent workforce, but also your temporary um, and contingent workforce. 
but I also think there is this this independent workforce, which probably falls into the consulting contingent category, which my view is that if organisations really want to capitalise on what's happening now, there is there is a rise of the independent workforce. I think COVID has also um, amplified that. If you can turn your workforce planning strategy into something that also includes those different groups um, of workers, it's a, for me it's a complete it's a game changer. It's a completely mm-hmm. different situation that you're now thinking about. But I don't feel that the technology necessarily supports that, and I think this is. It's also about the silos that we talked about. I think contingent working, um, consulting has typically sat in a different business area, different category versus uh, permanent workforce. So it's a real shift, I think, in um, in thinking. But that that will be, for me, a major differentiator from a um, competitive advantage perspective, because especially in a hybrid work environment, because then it's limitless in terms of where, how you find your talent, but it's agile in terms of how you run your business as well. Yeah, so it, I mean, gosh, you, you're getting me all excited. I'm jumping up and down here. Because <laughs> it's, uh, I believe, and I'm gonna ask for you to comment on this, that organizations are probably on a two to three on a 10 point scale on how well they understand what people do in aggregate. And I would also give it a similar rating relative to what work is actually being done um, and how that there are options by which that work can get done. So in other words, do organizations have the means in which to describe the work and in turn formulate a cohesive strategy to um, get that work done. So a work strategy. So whether it be automated, you know, um, outsourced, you know, contingent labor versus you know employee. There's all kinds of ways to get work done. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing is that that's the discussion that you want to facilitate. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it was my own frustration as well, being a talent um, leader in my previous corporate life. Um, there's a tendency to recycle job descriptions. There's a tendency to say, you know, such and such left, let's rehash that job description and, and push it back back out to the world and try and replace that person, but maybe add some more jobs in there too because we're <laughs> cost-cutting or <laughs> restructuring or whatever. And it's just, it can't continue like that. So, I, you know, I set up Talent Reimagined with that vision before I knew that there was a pandemic that was, that was going to come along and, kind of shake all the foundations again. But I was, you know, from that perspective, quite pleased with it because it really has forced people to pause and actually uh, think differently about the way forward. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I also mentioned the diversity point. It was really interesting when I left my corporate job and I was in process of setting up Talent Reimagined, I decided to just, you know, in my downtime, so to speak, I decided to just meet with people in Switzerland around where I lived. I just offered my time up just to talk about recruiting processes, to talk about how to show up in an interview, to talk about how to apply to a job. And it was just, it was eye-opening because the majority of people that I met were highly qualified, incredibly intelligent women who were constantly overlooked because they couldn't fit the job description mm-hmm. of 100% in office, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, and maybe that's a little unique to this location. I, I don't know. But it was, I thought at that point, I am I need to set up an organisation that shakes the foundations, that kind of helps to flip the script, that helps organisations actually realise that they're 
competitive advantage can be the things that they maybe thought they weren't able to entertain before mm. um, to think really differently about their, yeah, their workforce makeup. Yeah. It, staying on that diversity theme uh, and I have, really been passionate and is guiding my work at this stage of, of my life and career is that I feel that so many people aren't being seen, they're not being heard, and they're not being empowered. Um, their, their contributions aren't being recognized or celebrated. And oftentimes, they're told to bring their whole selves to work and really share what they need, yet they don't feel in many cases safe to do so because they need that job. They need the benefits. They have young kids, you know, whatever the case is. So, you know, to honor where they really are and respond appropriately is an ongoing challenge that will never go away. And when we overlay uh, gender diversity and how women are treated and set expectations for and recognize or not recognize in the workforce, as well as um, diversity groups and how they're recruited and not uh, really seen given, in some cases, disadvantaged resources or mm-hmm. any number of, of factors. So, you know, the need to have someone focus on the worker experience, and I call that out intentionally versus employee experience, so the, the worker experience. So we actually are capturing not only employees, but different types of workers. And then looking at the, our diversity makeup, because people are, you know, many uh, contractors, consultants are working right next to um, employees when they're in physical form. Maybe they have a different badge or something. But now in virtual, it's almost, uh, you can't tell when you're actually talking about emails and Zoom calls and, and, and things like that. You know, they might not be able to access certain resources. So I'm um, coming back to, to you and this diversity and being seen, heard, and empowered. You know, how do you see us moving forward on that particular topic because DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion has been under-resourced for the past 20 years. Now, however, given what's transpired, at least here in the States over the past 12 months, it's that's starting to shift significantly. It's no longer just this, okay, metric that we're going to talk about at the diversity council or on the board meeting once a quarter. It's now something that's instrumental into how we're doing things, but that needs to be well thought through because it's not just a DEI process because there really isn't a DEI process. It's learning, it's recruiting, it's internal development, mobility, all those things. So what are your ideas there? Where do you see us going, addressing that one critical topic? So I'm like you, I've never been a fan of metrics and targets. I think it's it's approaching DEI from the wrong direction. I am I think there's many things that can be done. I think from from where I'm looking at things and where I can hopefully support organisations is this idea of being able to throw the talent net wider um, across the organisation in terms of sourcing and actually think differently around, let let the talent marketplace influence more of the workforce planning, um, more of the job description that you're asking to be delivered so that you're not um, secluding certain people who might be in certain geographies maybe have certain commitments that they need to to um, also include in their in their day and you know and working more towards outcomes versus 
um, hours, you know, in terms of the approach to work. I think it's just a hunch, right? But I honestly believe that if you can throw the talent net wider and you can be more innovative and more flexible in terms of the job description, how the work gets delivered, also in terms of the type of worker, like you mentioned, I think diversity will improve. I think that that is my perspective on it. I think there's other things that need to be done as well, but I do think that being able to throw that that net wider is going to solve um, some of that naturally. And I, I agree for what it's worth. <laughs> and two, in order for this to happen, and you've touched on this uh, in the discussion thus far, is that there needs to be the space created to reimagine a new experience for workers. And there also needs to be space created to reimagine the processes and experiences that are going to deliver on that vision. And mm -hmm. so that requires a way of doing things. Design thinking comes to mind, human-centered design. And I know you have a process, reimagine, redesign, reconnect. Can you talk about the process that you advocate and facilitate? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, if we're talking about diversity, uh, equity, inclusion specifically, I think it's um, it's one aspect of, for example, so going through that rework, you mentioned it just now in terms of the three areas. Um, we always start with reimagining as an organization. So that's um, part of what we do and we we will do that as a as a first step before we really plot out the rest of the um, the work that needs to be done but as it relates to uh, I would say around the talent agenda there's probably there would be two work streams I think that would be really critical in, in starting to make steps forward in this space so one would be um, more around the uh, the sourcing strategy and how you actually tackle this concept of throwing the net wider because because in essence yes it, it um, creates new opportunities but it also has its own challenges right if you if you can really throw the net as wide as you like there's a new set of challenges that you you've uh, got to work through in terms of process in terms of uh, how applicants are reviewed and assessed um, so there's other ways that we can support to actually help with that entire process um, and then I think from a team design perspective having that flatter organization, I think, creates new opportunities for people. You mentioned mobility before. I'm not sure what the future of mobility is in a hybrid working environment. Mm. And I also don't know exactly what the impact therefore is on some of these diversity topics that we have in, and gaps that we're trying to close. But I think it has to, I think it will uh, create a difference. It will, it will take us forward in that space um, because people will be able to have these different experiences, um, acquire new skills without having to physically relocate. So I think those two areas, that's that's part of um, the redesign that we do within the workforce optimization. Those are some of the critical work streams. But for me, those are the ones that are gonna really heavily influence from my perspective, the diversity space as well. Got it. And as I'm listening to you, I am thinking about employee experience, but what you're sharing is beyond employee experience. That's just an aspect of what you're talking about. Is that a fair statement? Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. So you mean in terms of the work that we do goes beyond 
experience of people who are currently working in the organization for sure yeah correct you know like employee experience is getting a lot of play right now and i like the models behind it it's like okay what experience do we want to deliver uh certain personas and let's design processes to deliver on that i mean i go back 20 plus years uh the book the experience economy and uh, citing disney and so employee experience has been around for a while it's been called different things it mm -hmm. it um I even recall uh, Starbucks doing some great work in this regard, like 2004, 2005. So again, right. it's, been, it's been around, but the, now the workers is, and it's not only employees, it's, you know, workers, That's as you've been saying. And mm -hmm. it's also the case where, you know, we have people with job titles of employee experience. Uh, some HR organizations are now called employee experience or people success yeah. or, or you know, monikers like that. However, most of those are focused just on employees. And so what you're talking about is going beyond employees to all types of workers, yeah. including, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, non-humans. <laughs> so yeah. You know, yeah, augmented intelligence, AI, outsourcing, and, and, and so forth. So I just want to ask that explicitly. It's beyond employee experience and it's beyond just you know, humans doing work. It, it's really looking at these external uh, disruptions as well. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think the whole rise of the robots is a topic that <laughs> maybe for another day, but I think... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in reflecting on that, I think there is, there is a, I'm not worried about that, you know, and maybe it's easy to sit here setting up my business and, you know, moving things forward to say I'm not worried about that. But I honestly think that when we automate more, what we do is give people um, room to, to even take their creativity levels higher. I mm -hmm. think with automation, there's probably, there's definitely more space for that in more manufacturing environments, I think, um, to improve, but in terms of um, other areas of work, I think it's complementary and I think it will just allow people to actually be more creative um, in the work that they do in the future. Yeah, no, I, I love your perspective and I, I, I hope it is correct. Uh, and, and for what it's worth, I, I, I agree with it. So uh, there's a few more things I'd like to touch on before we yeah. wrap. And one um, is this notion of capacity and burnout. So COVID had this weird dynamic uh, emerge where people were already burnt out. They were already, you know, commuting and traveling and, you know, all these things. And then they went home and was like, oh, I got all this time. But those time, that time got filled up by meetings um, that got filled up by parenting and doing household chores, taking care of elder parents and, and, and so forth. And just, you know, committing to the safety of, uh, um, you know, loved ones around and, you know, not to mention the well-being that was, you know, being compromised with the lack of mobility and human connection that many people were experiencing. So yeah. at, at the end of it, you know, as we are in many cases going back to the workplace, um, what is, and I know it varies, but what is your ideal future state? What's your ideal hope for workers? Um, do you see a four-day four work week, a four-and-a-half-day work week, 30-hour, you know, whatever it is emerging so we do have more capacity to do 
other things that at least here in the States, it's been pretty much ignored. You deal with it. This is not the organization's problem. You have to sort your own time and priorities, but really a lot of the data that's come back from the surveys is shown that, Hey, they're stressed uh, meeting after meeting, you know, all these competing demands. So what, again, what is your hope for the future of the workforce, the work experience? Yeah, I think there's, a, I mean, there's, you're probably reading about it too. I think there's some, for me, ultimately, the goal would be that we get focused on outcomes and not on hours. Um, mm-hmm. And I know I've mentioned that a bit. And maybe that looks like a four-day work week or something similar to that as well. But I think being able to trust employees to that extent and give them the right tools and, you know, and to, and to also carefully place people into the right roles. I think when people are doing the work that's meaningful, that they feel purpose. Um, that they have responsibility, autonomy. I think, I don't think you need to to track that necessarily. I think you will see the results. Mm. Um, I think it's a little bit different across the generations, of course. You know, I think with some of the younger generations coming in, there might be a a watch out there in terms of managing, you know, those outcomes and sort of trying to kind of climb the ladder from, from where they are and also not necessarily knowing their own boundaries. So I think there's a bit of structure that still needs to come into it. But I really hope the future is more about outcomes than clocking in and out and hours. Um, I think, you know, the burnout, it's like, I mean, the pendulum's kind of the burnout of being in the office and then there was the burnout of being not in the office and then maybe we land somewhere in the middle. But I've seen great things and certainly when I'm talking to clients, encouraging to like Zoom free Fridays and just ways to break up the way that people are working in this kind of digital burnout that that is... um, real at the moment but also I think there is this concept of a third working space and you know I'd love it if people managers were sort of uh, able to I mean a I think there's a whole topic around managers becoming more experts in well-being right and indicated Mm -hmm. well-being and potential burnout but even having a notion that you know one meeting a day you're actually in nature you're walking or you're doing something that makes you feel good and breaks up what you're, you know, the environment that you're in and um, just thinking differently really about the whole work day and the structure of it. I hope that's what the future is. Yeah. And that's going to take not only an evolved leadership team, but the fortitude to disrupt your own processes and ways uh, of doing things. And I, I think part of the problem historically to do that is HR did not have the leverage uh, that it does now. So there's an opportunity to really take advantage of it. Um, and who knows, um, this might be a fleeting opportunity. And, you know, there's a cost to it, as we've talked about. So yeah. I'm, I'm certainly rooting for you to get your work out there and create stories that uh, of this, you know, being the new normal. So, you know, with, with that in mind, you know, a couple more questions is that as we talk about, you know, the future, and I know you're going to join me on Pavel Live here in a week or two to share some, you know, examples and, and go in more detail about your, your process and methodology is this, is that we have this, um, need, uh, particularly within HR, to manage our own capacity and priorities. We have, you know, our, our day jobs. And while if I'm a listener, you know, I'm nodding my head, great, 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 great. However, you know, I need to create the space and, and get started on this. So that's where I want to start, you know, landing here is 
what do you say to someone who's been stuck or is starting to see it as a priority and wants to explore? You know, what, what's the first step with you all? So the first step is, it, I mean, it's a little bit different depending on what the, where the client is and, and what the priorities are. But the way that we work is we come in and we reimagine. We think about what is the, we do this blue sky thinking, what, is the, what could the future be? How do you want this to, to work? Our goal is really for our client to be the, a rock star. You know, we want to come in and really support in terms of where do you want to take this talent process? Where do you want to take this workforce optimization piece? Really um, look at the best practices, even try and break some of those, think differently about what the future is. And then our skill is really to engineer that back into an actual roadmap, an operational roadmap and provide all the structure and governance around it to think about, so how can we as, a, as an external team support you in facilitating these work streams? But who else could you be thinking about within your own department or depart your um, other departments within your organization to get this work done? Uh, and to, yeah, to, to accelerate that with the, mm. with the client. So we, because everything is so unique in terms of every organization that we speak to, we, the way that we approach it is really to come in to carve out a space to, to really think creatively about the future, to think about what the possibilities are. And then we make it, we work together to, you know, what is the roadmap? How do we get there together? Well, love it. If I were in a position to hire you, I would. <laughs> so, just, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> just so you know that. So um, as we do wrap here, you know, any uh, closing comments and how can people learn more about you and what you're up to? Yeah. Um, so in terms of reaching out, we're on all the social media channels. So uh, Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, if anyone wants to talk, we we actually have a um, scheduler on our website, very easy to get to, happy to um, meet and talk. Um, yeah, it's probably one of my favourite things now is just meeting with diverse groups of people and um, people who are thinking about these topics and starting to share ideas together. So more than happy to, to hear from any of the listeners who would like to discuss. All right. Well, outstanding, Tess. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for doing what you do. It's not an easy problem that you're trying to solve. Um, so yeah, kudos to you and your team. Uh, keep up the great work and hope to see you in person before too long. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Likewise. Okay. All right. You be, be well. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining the People Data for Good podcast with Al Adamson. To find other podcasts, videos, upcoming events, and to join the People Data for Good movement, please visit us at pafau.net.